Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Moving Into the Future. Today, we are joined by my good friend and coworker, Josh Flat from Alexander's Mobility in California, Southern California to be specific. Uh, Josh, thanks for joining us today. I'm excited to have you on. How's everything going? It's good. Thanks for uh, recording this at 8 a.m. on a Monday morning on the West Coast. <laughs> I'll tell you what, what better way could you ask to start your week out there, huh? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, why don't you tell me a little bit more in the listeners as far as, you know, what you do out there? Because, you know, one of the good things about all of our OMA partners as a whole is we've all got our different, you know, avenues and areas of specialty and u- unique proponents of our companies and as individuals, you know, that, that we bring to the table. So why don't you tell me a little bit more about what, what you do at Alexander's and, and what Alexander's does as a whole? Yeah, you got it. So um, Alexander's, we're, uh, we've been in business for over 60 years. So full service moving uh, relocation company. We specialize in corporate national account moving, and then also uh, obviously commercial moving, uh, national account commercial moving all over the country. We've got uh, nine offices around the US. And I've been with Alexander's for, man, 18 and a half years. Uh, wow, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, it's been a long time. It's where all the gray hair is coming from. Um, and I do a mix. Um, I know we've talked about it in the past, but I do sort of a mix of uh, household goods moving and commercial moving, uh, kind of just a, a little bit of everything in a way. Uh, I've worked with a lot of uh, companies that are relocating their employees and doing their household goods. Uh, so that the national account household side, and then I do a fair amount of uh, office moving and logistics, special products, um, and have sort of carved out a niche in sort of the sports relocation space over the years too. So working with a lot of uh, teams, players, coaches, um, and one of our real close uh, business partners to uh, help athletes relocate. Yeah. And that's an interesting world. And, And I'm glad you brought that up because when I first started in the industry, I wanted to create a focus in athlete sports relocation. I remember I went to a certification. um, And again, I was brand new. I had just started. I mean, this was my first job out of college. And I was trying to find like what I wanted to do within the relocation world that would make it fun for me. And I went to school for sports management. I had some relationships in that world. So I was like, you know, why don't we try this first? And I remember I went to this uh, certified move uh, consultant certification program. And one of the things they talked about there was building accounts. And I was that was my biggest takeaway from that is like, okay, I need to go out there and find a way to get accounts. And I was 23. I had been doing this for less than a year. And I was like, we're going to focus on athlete relocation. You know, that's, that's luxury relocation. Uh, You know, it's consistent because athletes are either getting traded or signed or whatever it may be. And uh, you know, you can find a nice niche there. How did you get involved in that? And you know, was it something that happened naturally or was it something you actively pursued and, and focused on for, for a long time? Yeah, so it was mostly, I would say, organic. I mean, it what happened was, um, it was, I think, 2008. And I was uh, a young salesperson. I had just gone from being a sales assistant to sort of out on my own, you know, trying to build my own book of business. And um, there was concurrently with that, uh, I'm here in Southern California in Orange County. And in Newport Beach, 
um, there was a guy starting a sports relocation business at that time named Chris Dingman. And Chris had reached out to Atlas Van Lines and said, I'm working on building a uh, sports relocation, kind of a relocation management company in RMC that caters specifically to athletes. And so he reached out to Atlas uh, and Atlas is headquartered in Indiana, but they sent him over to Alexander's because we're the top agent here in this area, said, hey, this might be a fit for you. And um, our VP of sales and marketing at the time said, huh, this is uh, such a unique, special, you know, niche thing. I'm not sure what to do with this. Let's give it to Josh. He's young, hungry, you know, sales guy. So uh, Chris and I met and he was starting his company, the Dingman Group. And uh, we talked, I remember our first meeting, it was great. We met at uh, Newport Beach Brewing Company uh, out here in, in Orange County. And uh, I was so excited and we hit it off right away. Um, similar ages, similar interests, similar passion in terms of just how we, you know, approach this, right? And it was a neat fit for what he was building because he's sort of catering to, as you said, kind of a luxury kind of clientele, high-end clientele, but it was such a fit for us for what we do with corporate relocation when we're moving uh, a lot of execs and VIPs and that type of thing. So um, yeah, we, we hit it off. I said, hey, let's, let's put something together. He was on board. And uh, that first move, that first year, Jack, we did one move. We moved a oh. hockey player from uh, Dallas to Minneapolis. And then the next year it sort of built. We did 13 players the next year, 25 the year after that, 48 the year after that. You know, fast forward over a decade later and um, we're relocating hundreds of uh, athletes and coaches a year and have worked on, you know, relocating whole franchises and done some pretty amazing projects together. So um, yeah, to answer your question, it kind of fell in my lap, but then obviously a lot of hard work and effort and uh, relationship building with obviously a great partner in the Demon Group to sort of uh, build it over the years. And it is that sort of relationship where they are uh, a client, right, at the end of the day. And, um, but also uh, I would say a close business partner and, and close friends. Um, I think it's just a good reminder that like any opportunity, no matter how big or how small, you sort of treat it like it's that one huge opportunity um, or make sure that that move or that client feels like they're the only, you know, client in the world. And you can sort of plant that seed and then it can grow into something pretty amazing. Right. And that's a good parallel to OMA as a whole. You know, it's um, it started as this small idea with a, with a group of moving companies and, and now it's grown into this massive really organization, probably one of the bigger moving organizations in the world. But pivoting back to the, the Dingman group, Chris Dingman was like a fictional character in my mind when I was going through this uh, this 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 process and ambition of mine to get in this world. I remember I used to study him closely. So to, to, to know that you know him, I didn't know that you knew him personally like that. And consider him a close business partner is really, really cool because it is such a, he's, so when I started researching him, this was in probably like 2013 or 14. And by that point, he had really established himself as the premier like athlete relocation group out there. Um, yeah. So I remember I, I wanted to be him. I was like, I, you know, I, strive to be like this gentleman um i think like you know he was playing pro i think he started with the panthers or something like that um i remember i studied him very closely you know about 10 years ago uh so, so to know that you're such a close partner with him in that facet is is really really cool how 
has Alexander's and yourself specifically, you know, helped them kind of scale and grow and become a valuable business partner? You know, when you're doing projects, you guys are the boots on the ground. And that's one of the good things about moving as a whole is we are providing the labor and, and sometimes more often than not ourselves are there for our clients to make sure these moves go well and, and see what we can do. You know, have you guys created any sort of like KPIs for them or SLAs that are specific to athlete relocation um, as a whole? Because again, every athlete relocation is unique in some sense, as far as, you know, what they have and, you know, whether they have a family or they're single or, you know, anything, it could be as far as collections that they might have. But are there certain, certain things that you do, whether it be communicative or if it's process driven that, that you've helped kind of implement for the Dingman group that's helped them uh, better service their clients? Their clients? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, we actually put together some KPIs and SLAs uh, several years ago that um, we work on together, right, to sort of monitor and look at all these different benchmarks, uh, on-time pickup, on-time delivery, uh, claims ratios, self-haul numbers, all of those different things to make sure that um, we continue to deliver at a high level uh, for, for our clients, for their clients. Um, that's been really, really key. I think developing that trust, establishing that communication and um, sort of iterating on the processes you know, over the years uh, has been absolutely key in making sure that we're all working together um, as sort of a seamless unit, our two companies to service those clients. It's, it's funny you talk about um, sort of uh, wanting to get into that space over the years, because I think <laughs> at the base level, moving, not a very sexy thing, right? No. What we do with uh, logistics and relocation and moving, it's, you know, it is, it is what it is. But the thing that I talk to a lot of maybe our newer salespeople about and other people in the industry that I love is that you can kind of take what we do um, at Alexander's, at Advanced Group, OMA Agent, whoever you are, and you can kind of point that to whatever industry you're interested in. Whatever, whatever sort of gets you up in the morning and makes you tick, everybody needs our services at some point in their life, right? Whether it's households, household goods moving, office moving, special products, uh, whatever it is, you can sort of become involved uh, adjacently in your passion. And I've always loved sports. Um, at my core, I love helping people. So, you know, sort of making this all kind of come together in, in that sort of, you know, special sauce is really exciting for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can kind of, whatever it is you're into, if it's, if it's music, if it's podcasts, if it's, you know, sports, if it's um, uh, cooking, you know, the restaurant industry, all of the architecture, whatever it is, you can you can get into it with as an avenue through what we do, and especially in sales, right? Yeah, no, I was funny just having this conversation with my last guest about the the various avenues you can go down in this world are limitless, really. I mean, it can go anywhere because, as you mentioned, everything, any room you're in, everything essentially comes off a truck, you know. So somebody has to get it there. And, uh, you know, whatever your specialty is, and, and we know so many people with so many different specialties through OMA, um, you know, you can find that niche. You know, you think of Jacqueline, who's, who's gotten into like hoteling and uh, hospitality and, you know, providing that furniture and like that is her avenue and she loves it and she does it well. And, 
you know, the, the same goes for you for athlete relocation and something that you also mentioned, which I think is key for being in the moving industry, at least if you're really going to, you know, take it to the, to the next level is at our foundations, we just want to help. And, you know, that is the thing about moving is it is a stress inducing process for many people. So for me, it was always, okay, you know, how can I help professionally speaking, you know, where, where I can get satisfaction and like, I just fell into moving and that's why I've always really enjoyed it. No one likes doing it, but I do. And I, uh, you know, I take it upon myself to be that professional and expert that, that can help make that process a little bit easier, whether it is household or commercial. Um, I've always been very, very focused on that. So with that in mind, you know, can you tell a story of, as far as, you know, an athlete relocation that was unique? Because again, I have done some, when I was in starting out, luxury relocation was where I was. So, you know, I didn't necessarily move athletes, but I moved some extremely rich people with, you know, various collections of art and sculptures and, you know, pianos and all sorts of stuff that, uh, you know, at my age, I couldn't even comprehend how much it was. Um, you know, for you, is there any unique stories in that in that athlete world that you can tell that, uh, you know, come to mind and, and was really uh, rewarding for you and challenging and, and things like that? I think, yeah, you know, I think that, uh, you know, first off, 80, 90% of, say, sports relocation that gets done is just a typical move, right? Sometimes maybe with an accelerated timeline because someone gets traded and whatnot, but it's not, you know, um, 6,000 square foot mansions, yeah. right? You're, you're dealing with a lot of younger people. Uh, you're dealing, you know, for, it's, for a long time, it was, we're moving millennials again and again and again. And uh, part of that, the, the neat thing I think about that for us, Jack, was for several years, I was sort of on the forefront of um, making sure that we got ahead of the game on certain things and trends that were coming that we saw maybe in the sports world that you weren't necessarily seeing in the common household goods world, but then started to become more and more commonplace. So for example, um, if you think back 10, 15 years ago, everybody was creating uh, big screen TVs, right? You had a 60 inch TV, a 50 inch TV. That was an anomaly 10, 15 years ago, but then with a lot of the NBA, NFL players and everything we're moving, everyone had one of those. Everyone had four of them at a yeah. certain point. And so I can remember distinctly going into um, our operations manager's office and saying, you know, these things come in a box when they're delivered. Do we have to build a custom crate each time? Can we get boxes? And sort of banging that drum to make sure that that was something that we had on the trucks available. And if, you know, then of course, fast forward to 2022, everyone's got, you know, TV cartons and that type of thing uh, that are used again and again. Um, texting was another thing uh, that 15 years ago, we were not texting transferees. Um, that was unheard of, but constantly with uh, our sports clients, that is what they were demanding, right? If you wanted to get a hold of them, not even what they were demanding, it was just if you needed to reach them, good luck emailing, good luck getting them to, you know, right. uh, answer the phone for obvious reasons, right? They're living a, a pretty guarded life. So I think the, the unique things there and the unique challenges there along the way have made us uh, a, better, a better company because we've had to uh, adapt to service that kind of clientele. And um, just getting 
used to and knowing the fact that you will not always have access to the person who's relocating, right? You're not always dealing with that person directly. Most of the time you're not. Usually you're dealing with someone on the outside of their orbit uh, or within their orbit and they have a very close circle of people that are sort of um, taking care of them and and their life. And again, being able to sort of uh, adjust to that. But there's been, um, yeah, certainly some unique things uh, over the years with uh, hyperbaric chambers and saunas and, you know, pretty unique equipment that you wouldn't necessarily see in your everyday home. Yeah. And again, that's like, those are the fun challenges though, is, you know, getting those out. I mean, in New York city specific, like I remember, you know, there would be custom couches and, and, and custom furniture as a whole that wouldn't get up the elevator and couldn't get up the stairs. So we'd get the, uh, you know, crane in there, uh, you know, to deliver it on the roof and it's nerve wracking, but it's also a fun challenge to make happen. And then when it does happen, you know, the client is very pleased. And again, you look like an, an, an expert in your field and, you know, somebody who, who can be relied upon. How has uh, being involved in that athlete relocation world for you transitioned into commercial opportunities, working with more, uh, you know, whether it be sports fr- franchises or agencies or, or things of that nature, uh, you know, that, that are advantageous in the commercial world? There's been some pretty incredible projects that we've had an opportunity to partner with together, Alexander's and the Dingman Group, um, in relocating uh, some franchises, uh, which was a heavy mix of moving all the players and coaches and staff, their household goods, but also literally moving all of their uh, office furniture, moving all of their game day equipment, everything like that. So talking dozens and dozens of truckloads of, of things that you need to have that sort of that mix of household and commercial experience. Um, there have been some really, actually some really cool projects recently with uh, moving some uh, uh, bands. So some pretty, pretty big name uh, bands on tour, relocating, uh, doing, you know, tours and stopping at the airport, picking up their stuff. We actually had one, you need to talk about OMA specifically. They were on tour last year. They stopped off in uh, Austin, Texas, and that was not a stop that we had lined up originally when we were lining up stuff with the uh, the road manager, and it came about last minute. I mean, they it was like they were landing on a Thursday, and they called us on Monday and said, you know what, could you do Austin for us after we had done like six or other cities or so? And um, I've got, obviously, as part of the Atlas Network, sure, certainly a thing, but also part of the OMA Network, and um, OMA came through. OMA came through in a huge way for us uh, when they landed there and we were able to turn it around like that and it was seamless. So uh, some really cool stuff like that where it's been phenomenal to be part of this. And we're, Alexander's is relatively new within the OMA network. We've only been in for a little bit over a year. So to have that trust and that partnership um, and that bandwidth, right? To just call and know that you are going to get this executed on so quickly. Uh, and successfully has been amazing. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that that's really one of the things that I appreciate the most from a personal standpoint is you want to be the greatest resource you can be for your clients and being opened up to that OMA network. And again, when you make that call, you're taking, you're taking in as a priority, you know, like this is something that, that my client needs. And again, it's all within reason and rationale. You know, we can't like, you know, jump through hoops constantly, but 
There's always ways we find to make it happen for our different partners because A, we care, and B, you never know when that's going to come back, you know, to, to, to you. And especially in those different markets like we're in with, you know, Southern California, Austin, Texas, New York, New York, there's always different challenges and those are places where people want to be. So to have those reliable networks and resources built in a phone call away makes a world of difference. And again, it, it, it allows you to have a strategic advantage over a lot of other people in your market that uh, they simply don't have because, you know, they're not a part of a, of a network like OMA that, uh, that makes it possible for them. So I certainly know what you mean. I've, uh, I'm going through that right now, as a matter of fact, with a project I, go and ha- I have going on for a large tech company. You know, they came at us with 600 users need to be relocated this weekend, actually. They came to us two weeks ago, and we're planning a 600-person uh, organizational shift, and we're making it happen. You know, and I went down there myself last week to kind of walk the space and figure it out. And again, that's that personal touch and extra effort that is needed and recognized by these type of companies to make it happen, and our partners as well. You know, it's not like we're going out there leaving them, you know, out to dry we want to make this go as successful, you know, as you do and vice versa uh, to, to make sure these clients are happy because, again, it's all reciprocal. You know, it all, it all comes back. And, uh, you know, we're, we're one of the things that has happened in OMA since I've gotten in, well, like myself personally, I've gotten back in two years ago, is just the level of trust and, uh, like, you know, even respect and uh, relationship building that we've had throughout the group is, is really great. You know, I know more people now within the industry and within the group than I could have ever imagined. Um, and that's really special. And that kind of parlays into our young leader group, which, uh, you know, has been, uh, has been really great for, for us as a whole. And I think a little bit more than, than we could have imagined as far as the relationships we've built through that and how we're, uh, and how we're continuing to make it grow. You know, what has been probably the uh, the biggest takeaway from the Young Leaders Group for you so far since you've got in? Because you're the elder, too, you and Pat. Um, you know, you guys are kind of leading the way in terms of experience. Uh, so, you know, what has been, you know, really the uh, the biggest takeaway for you from you and the Young Leaders Group? I've loved getting to collaborate with and chat with other young leaders in that space who are all kind of like at a similar point and similar ages in our lives, excuse me, where uh, having the same challenges, I mean, being in that room in DC and having everybody sort of talk through, hey, what's going on uh, about, you name it, right? Whatever is going on in in your company or that, you know, at your, at this point in your life of, I've scaled my, my business up to X, but I feel like I can't go beyond X because I'm doing so much and whatnot. And hearing that everyone's sort of going through that same thing. I mean, there's not misery loves company, right? Because we're, we're not miserable. Um, but, but just the, the camaraderie of feeling where, okay, you know what? We're all in the same boat there. And that's a common challenge. Because I think that we talked about it a little bit. We, we become a victim of our own success in a lot of ways, right? Where it's, I, I made, a, I would say, a name for myself. And I got very successful by being very... Um, uh, accessible, right? Saying to my clients, hey, here's my cell number. Whenever you need me, night or day, I'm going to be there. And that is great. And you, you, I mean, I, I still feel that way when uh, 
when building, you know, uh, building relationships with my clients, because I do want to be there. I do want to make this a seamless process for them, whatever they're going through. But there's a certain level concern about scalability when you are sort of the, the, the end of the funnel on everything, right? And you get to a point where you say, like, I can't, I can't do that all the time. And for me, I learned that real fast once my daughter was born. So she's, she's coming up on, uh, my oldest is going to be 10 next month. And I realized uh, at a certain point, okay, I'm going to be, uh, when she was born, I was going to work, you know, doing eight to five or whatever it is, or you'd work longer days. And I, she would go to bed at like seven o'clock at night. And if I was working till 5.30 and then I got home at six, it's like, wait a minute, I got an hour a day with the thing I love most in the world. That's, that's not okay. So I had to sort of uh, switch up what my routine was. And I, you know, carved out uh, the, the evening time after work. And I said to clients and I said to coworkers, hey, from, from five to eight or whatever it is, I'm gonna put the phone down. I'm gonna put the email away. I'm going to get back up online at night and I'm going to be working and I'll be there for you. But I kind of have this blackout time for my family. And that was received really, really well, um, thankfully. Right. And uh, but that was that was sort of one of the things that forced me to say, like, OK, I don't have to have my foot all the way down on the gas and keep going 90 miles an hour sort of in life and in business. And I can kind of, you know, downshift a little bit, find other times in other areas. Um, and that was, that sort of, you know, pivoted into how I was able to, um, you know, scale a lot of stuff from a business standpoint and hearing some of those common things in that room with the future leaders. Um, it's, it's just fun to be a part of. Yeah, it is. And again, it's like, it is a support group in some sense. And it was good to hear that, you know, a lot of us kind of do deal with the, 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 the same issues across our different markets and stuff like that. Um, you know, specifically in the, in the range of support and just really spreading yourself thin. And I think that is a, it's a young person's problem, professionally speaking, where they do feel the need either to be on all the time or to do as much as they can do more than they can handle, because that is how people with a particular work ethic prove themselves. You know, it's, it's really going above and beyond, whether it be for the company that you work for or for the clients that you have. So to see, you know, a lot of us deal with that is, is, is interesting. Um, and one of the things you just said too, was as far as like having kids in that transformative experience. Um, I was talking to you before about how I took a road trip upstate. So I was, I went with my best friend and he has a two-year-old with another one on the way in like a month. And, um, we took him upstate so his wife could get a little break and relax, you know, before the, the next kid comes, which was nice. But I was essentially playing Mr. Mom all weekend. And um, it's awesome, man. Like, first of all, he's a great kid. Like, he's, he's a good kid. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a two-year-old, so he has his certain, you know, sure. just whatever. But um, it's awesome. And, like, I'm at an age now where I think my mom had me at my age. So it's like... I don't have a girlfriend, so I'm not having kids anytime soon, but I could see how like having kids is such a like revolutionary experience. And like, what's it like when you have a kid and how you work because you want to work harder because you want to provide everything for that kid and, right. and, you know, really like, like do as much as you can for them to provide 
you know, everything, but you can only work so hard because you want to spend time with your kid and stuff like that. So, you know, how are you able to, to, to do that? I'm always, I'm always fascinated by that. And, and another thing I'm fascinated by is the fact that I don't have a kid and I have all this free time on my hands. Like I should, you know, logically speaking, be a millionaire by the time I do have kids, you know, because I got all this free time. Yeah, you look back and you think, man, when I was single, what was I doing? Right. What would I do? And what would I do with all that time now? Right. You're like, oh man, I can kill it. I I just grabbed from my my little uh, you know folio that I carry on on walkthroughs. I have this note from my daughter, which doesn't translate too well on a on an audio setting, but it says, uh, "Dear Daddy, may you please take work off so we can spend time so you can spend time with me." Please, Daddy, love Harper. And she she wrote, I mean, this is probably four years old, but I kind of carry it around with me uh, as sort of a reminder. Like, literally, if I'm out on an office walk, I open up my, you know, uh, to take notes and my cube sheet and everything, and that note's right there, right? So it's it's metaphorically, it's like this perfect sort of balance of, uh, you know, uh, personal and, and work and a reminder of, like, why we do what we do, right? Um, I, I've... Yeah, it is. To answer your question, Jack, it is. Uh, it's. It takes. It's takes a while, obviously, to sort of figure out that you know that balance and that that tightrope act. And I don't know if we ever necessarily figure it out. We just kind of, um, you know, constantly Im- improve on it. But my six-year-old, my boy Beckett, will ask me weekly. Weekly, he says, you know, Daddy, you um, when are you going to stop working so you can play with me? And it makes me, it makes me feel like an awful father. <laughs> but um, but I also know that like I'm I'm very very present. I'm at all of this stuff. Um, I take part in uh, drop offs for school and pick up or you know to take him to camp or anything like that. So um, and for him right now at, at six conceptually summer like he has the summer off. Daddy doesn't have the summer off. Right. <laughs> He's right. Like, I got to go to work, buddy. But it's summer, you know, and it's like for you, <laughs> you know, summer's our busiest time. Right. Um, but no, I, I, you know, what I try to do is um, I, I make sure that there is time that is uh, sacrosanct, that is just family time. And I don't, don't take calls and don't do emails. And after they go to sleep, I'm, you know, back up working. When we go on vacations, I'm getting up early before the whole family. I'll be doing work in the hotel room. Then it kind of shut it down for the day. Maybe check in once, you know, during the day. And then uh, after they go to bed, kind of get back on it. So you have to certainly, you know, work harder and smarter in order to sort of balance it. And also, I would say making sure that you like, I, I try not to beat myself up too much, right? So getting getting that sort of messaging from him, like, hey, when are we going to, you know, play more? realizing that oh you know what you're you're doing a lot you're there with them i try to mix it up too so i've um i bring them out with me on job stops whenever i can so if i have a delivery going on on a saturday um and i know it's sort of the appropriate setting because obviously there's certain things you wouldn't bring kids out to but they've come out with me on office moves i've got pictures in my phone of us doing like a decommission and they're sort of writing on the whiteboard in a in an office that's been you know and it's it's fun for them and i'll make sure that they come and bring stuff to the crew because obviously anytime you go and you want to take care of the crew you know bring Gatorade bring food just show your appreciation uh and sort of instilling that in them that's been a lot of fun too yeah and I I can imagine become a far more efficient individual like you know that you just you simply don't have downtime you know and like I have that privilege of downtime right now but it's 
fascinating because again, like I'm probably not going to be a father for a couple more years, but God only knows. Um, but even still, like I think to myself now more because I see my best friend in this world. I mean, he's got two, he's got number two on the way and I talk to him every day. So, you know, I'm part of his life and his wife's life and everything like that. So I think to myself, when I do have this downtime, I'm like, you know, what can I be doing to be more efficient right now? Because it isn't always going to be like this. You know, I mean, it's nice to watch whatever, a show or, or a game or, or anything like that. But is there something else I'd be doing with my time that if I didn't have it, I wish I did? You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, no, being conscious of that is good too. That self-awareness of, you know, this isn't, this free time, you know, this luxury isn't going to be there forever and making uh, the most use of it now. I will say when you have kids and there's a lot more laundry in the house, my my pro tip for you is uh, on your conference calls, do conference calls, put the, you know, AirPods in and just fold laundry during conference calls. Oh, there you go. There you go. It's a good life hack right there. That is a good life hack right there. You can get that done pretty easily. And uh, again, it doesn't take too much thought. So you can, uh, you can focus on the task at hand while, while still doing that. You know what, that brings up another point. That's like one of the things I don't mind, you know, cleaning and like doing whatever chores. Um, but I always thought a great invention specifically for socks would be if you could throw like socks in a machine of sorts and they just like, you know, folding themselves up into one and like they matched them up and stuff like that. Um, cause that gets, you know, daunting. So, uh, that's a good little tip there. Um, yeah, it, it, they are. Yeah. You know, and it's just, yeah. And matching them up and stuff like that. I, I can't wear non-matching socks. So like if I have two non-matching, I got to throw them out. It's a you know, whole thing. Um, yeah, yeah, right. So yeah, that could, that could come on down the line, but I got more important stuff. Um, you know, specifically based on what we were talking about at the OMA conference and like, you know, that type of technology, that's what I'm really focused on is creating some level of seamlessness within our industry that goes from like, not a CRM, but like attached to the CRM, if you will, where the job is booked, it's in the system. It's almost like a automated coordinator, if you will, because I think that's where a lot of the issues lie from what I heard is like the coordination, the project management, like getting that all done seamlessly. It seems like a lot of the people in the young leaders group specifically are doing a lot of that work themselves. So I think technology that can kind of help you, you know, coordinate and manage a job and then build that job more seamlessly would help moving companies, you know, across the the, the globe uh, operate more efficiently. And, uh, you know, whether you're a small company, I shouldn't say across the globe, across the board, uh, you know, operate more efficiently um, in that set because I feel like that is a big, uh, a big pain point within the industry right now. It definitely is. And I also think that, so as, as great as automation is and making that more seamless, I mean, that's needed and there's going to be a lot of value there. There's a certain element of the process that you can't automate. And the thing that jumps to my mind is, I think it was your podcast with Kevin. And I even took a photo of like, when I was listening in the car, where it was in the podcast. So I could kind of go back to it. It was like minute 29 or 38 seconds or whatever. And uh, you guys were talking about one of the things that you do when you book a new job is you sort of huddle up with your coordinator, Caitlin? Kaylee is her name. And Kaylee, this is her last week this week. And like, she's the best. And, you know, again, it's, it's not a, it's, 
she'll be she'll be replaced and there'll be a new coordinator but the trust and like the relationship that you have with the coordinators in your company it allows you to to do more you know while while they do what they need to do so it's um oh god i'm gonna miss her terribly and i remember you saying that with kaylee you kind of huddle up and say okay here are the details of the move uh and the project or whatever it is but also here's why this is important to that client here's why it's important to us as a company right and yep right? oh yes and yes kind of a little bit of simon Sinek here but kind of leading with the why talking about why it's important i love that and it's something that yeah, I do sort of naturally sometimes, but not all the time. And I was going to implement that into our processes to say, hey, here's why this matters. Right. Um, and you you can you can make that into a process, but you can't automate that. Right. And right. it's like you can't automate caring and you can't automate um, sort of that desire and that want to for for helping folks. And I think that is so, so huge. Yeah, specifically as it relates to national accounts, because, again, when you're a moving company, Moving companies, for the most part, are transactional. They do a move, or they book a move, they do the move, they get the move paid for, and then they move on to the next move. But when you're an account-based business, you are looking at the whole and how you're going to grow that. So that's what I try to do with my coordinators, with my project managers. If we're doing our first job in New York, here is what's at play. Because I know what's at play, and I know what I'm focusing on, but I want to make sure everybody knows that. And basically, you know, doing that and saying, hey, this is why this is an important job. Here's what we want to turn it into uh, and, and getting that buy in all around. And then ideally, you know, the project management is also telling the crews this and like it's all, you know, going down the line. So there's that complete buy in. So, you know, to, to make sure that uh, that things go, you know, to the level we want. And I was thinking about this this week and I was actually my my best friends also in the moving industry. He he's uh, he is a GM of a, of a moving company in the Hamptons, um, does great work. Um, but we were talking about it and I was saying, you know, our moves, I've been doing a ton of work and the moves that we've been having this summer have just been like popping, like operating and just clients are happy and it's like great. And I mean, you know this and everybody in this world knows this. Um, that's not always the case, you know, for, for one reason or another. And uh, we've just been operating. I think that's a big reason why is because people know why these jobs are important, you know, and it's not just another move. It's a, it's an account that we're going to try to grow and help the advanced group, you know, take the next step. So, uh, it's been majorly helpful. I'm, I'm glad you picked that up because, uh, I hope that, I hope that's able to help you too. It was a great tip. And I, uh, like I said, I've been, I've been doing this for coming up on 20 years now, but, um, and sort of doing that kind of organically, kind of naturally, just as part of my nature. But, um, to put it in as a process and sort of feed that forward to other people in the company is, was just a brilliant takeaway. I loved it. Yeah. Great. Well, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you got something out of that and hopefully others get something out of this. Cause this was a really great conversation, Josh. I appreciate it. I appreciate you a lot. You know, we've certainly gotten to know each other uh, mostly over the last year, but I really admire you. I think you're a great guy. You do good work. Um, so, you know, I'm excited to keep growing together and uh, you know, taking it to the next level. We'll have you on, uh, sometime soon again, and, and we'll catch up. We could have kept going with this for sure, but we'll make sure we, we pick it up again and, and have a good conversation. All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And likewise, I'm excited to, uh, to keep doing this with you. Definitely. Definitely. Have a good one, man. I appreciate you coming on early on a Monday morning. Have a great week. Have a great day. And we'll, uh, I'll see you later this week.
All right. Thanks, Jack. See you later. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Looking forward to the next episode soon.